you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. As always, the Chris Voss Show. The family loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harshly as your mother-in-law, because she never liked you anyway. And that's just a fact, folks. She told me to say that. Whoever's in the audience that has their mother-in-law writing me, you know who you are. In fact, I think it's all of you. <laughs> anyway, guys, we have an amazing guest, as always, on the show. We have the most smartest people that come on the show. They share a lifetime of journeys and stories and cathartic moments. The CEOs, the billionaires, the White House presidential advisors, the governors, the Congress members, the astronauts, the Pulitzer Prize winners, authors of all walks of life with the hottest new books coming out. They bring you the stories that will change your life. As we always say on the Chris Voss Show, stories are the owner's manual to life. Because I don't know if you got yours in the mail, but I didn't get mine. And I've been waiting 55 years for U.S. Postal Service, so that's on them. Anyway, guys, we have an amazing young lady on the show today, and we're going to be talking to her about an interesting time. She went viral and her work and some of the things that she does as well. We have Natalie E. Norfus on the show with us today. She'll be talking to us about her work and everything that goes into it. She is the founder and managing owner of the Norfus Firm. Natalie is a creative and proven problem solver with nearly 20 years of experience as a labor and employment attorney and HR DEI practitioner. She partners with employers on DEI and HR strategies, conducts complex internal investigations, and provides coaching and training to boards of directors and other senior leaders. She believes there's no one-size-fits-all approach to HR DEI initiatives. She uses a metrics-based model to help organizations develop policies, programs, and goals that are customized to their needs. And uh, here she is now. Welcome to the show. Natalie, how are you? Doing great. I love. I loved all of your introduction. I feel like I, I'm ready to provide a roller coaster here. One of my favorite things to do is ride a roller coaster. So this, I love that intro. There you go. We got a soundbite <laughs> coming soon that's gonna say, "I'm just here from the brain bleed," which kind of upsets some people. Who are like, what is brain bleeding? What's going on in the show? So welcome to the show. Give us your dot coms. Tell us. Yeah, that. absolutely. First of all, I appreciate the kind introduction. We are at thenorthisfirm.com. And like Nancy, O-R-F, like Frank, U.S., like Sam, my dad did that my whole life. So I feel really special to be able to do it myself with the last name. So we're at thenorfusfirm.com and we're at the Norfus Firm on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, mm -hmm. and on LinkedIn. And we also have a podcast, too. It's called What's huh. the Deal? D-E-I-L. So diversity, <laughs> equity, inclusion, and leadership, because, you know, we're clever like that. That is clever. What's the deal? <laughs> What's the go. deal? So what's the deal with, you know, the crazy stuff leaders do at work? There you go. So give us a 30,000 overview of what you do and how you do it. We'll get into some of the TikTok scrum you got into there. Yeah. So in short, we solve people problems. So we work with organizations all around the world on solving conflict, creating people strategies. We really are in workplaces in all different industries, for-profit, non-profit, huge, huge companies, companies as small as 30. So we really get a unique view of what's happening every day at work. There you go. So you have a, a viral moment that comes about that, that kind of goes, I guess, mainstream or viral on TikTok. Tell us about how that came about and I don't know that I I don't know if I went viral, but I know that oh. there's a viral trend around the soft okay. girl thing. I I would love to go viral. Maybe oh, okay. whatever we wish for, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I know that I know that one of the trends that seems to have been relevant to your to your viewer, viewers is this soft girl trend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, which is fascinating. And I'll mm -hmm. tell you why. I love the dictionary. I love words and I love what we do with words. So this mm -hmm. idea that there were in this sort of soft girl era, it's mm -hmm. fascinating to me because it's something that many of us have heard for decades that is not 
specific to a gender, mm -hmm. but folks saying, hey, look, I'm opting out of grinding. I, I don't need to climb this corporate ladder. But mm -hmm. what's really different about it this time around post pandemic is folks are really leaning in heavy to this idea that I don't really care if I get promoted. And I think mm -hmm. that you know, we first heard that in terms of quiet quitting, which is right after the pandemic. And I just think, again, it's funny because as an employment lawyer, I've always seen employees say they're only going to do what the job description says. And that's functionally what quiet quitting in is. And yeah. soft girl era is like an offshoot of that. I don't, I'm not going to break my neck anymore for these companies that don't break their neck for me. So I think it presents an interesting challenge for people managers who often were able to motivate folks by saying, but if you do this, you can get a promotion. If you do this, you can get a raise. And people are like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's not as important to me these days. Yeah. I remember, you know, the first time I got, I, I got promoted from off, you know, the basic line, I guess, to management. And I was like, wait, I'm working more hours and technically getting paid less, but you're paying me a salary. So it's hard for me to figure that out. Exactly. I'm like, I didn't, exactly. I didn't get promoted, you know? Yeah. If I think, they're like, but you have more hours. You're a manager, but you are getting paid, you know, in a lump sum. And you're like, but if I break down the hours I'm working, it's so what? Hey, I think I got tricked here. Exactly. Yeah. The reward for good work is what more yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but you have a really nice title. Oh wow. Jeez. Wow. Okay. I I should get my day job. So tell us about what the soft girl revolution is. I guess this has become really popular on, I guess what TikTok. I was referring to was <laughs> these, these TikTok videos. The one that I guess they sent us the thing, I, I'd assume this was yours, was Mia Aranaway had posted one in 12 of 21 appears or 4, 12, 21, however that works on TikTok. And, uh, and so how, how does this become a thing, I guess? So... You know, we have a really unique vantage point during the the heart of the pandemic of doing somewhere around like 400 or 500 listening sessions with employees mm -hmm. from companies around the world and listening to what folks were going through during the pandemic and what they've come out is there's been a lot of self-reflection, right? Mm -hmm. What's important here? Do I, do I want to grind up this corporate ladder and put all these hours into work or do I want to do something different with my life? We kept seeing stories of folks who were, you know, doctors who became food truck owners or, you know, people who police officers who became nail techs, things where it's like people just did something completely different because yeah. they decided whatever they were doing wasn't satisfying. Mm -hmm. um, and so again, because people love to use words in different ways, soft girl era makes it sound a lot more, you know, I don't know, fancy, very cozy, but that's kind of the idea where it's, I'm going to focus on me and what makes me happy. Maybe that's a job. Maybe it's not. If it's, if it is a job, I'm not going to go too hard because I'm going to make sure I have time for, you know, working out and time for eating out with my friends and, you know, all of those frolicking uh, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. And I, again, I don't think that's a new phase, but I think that the way it's that people are a lot more comfortable with openly saying that, right? If I think about me growing up in my career, I, I wouldn't think to say that because I'd be afraid I wouldn't have a job. And so I applaud the courageousness of this, of the way we're discussing it now. But I think folks are just tired. They're tired of feeling like they're putting all this hours into work and grocery shopping and all these things. And, and they're not feeling the sort of satisfaction from it all. There you go. And we saw that a lot in COVID. I mean, a lot of people wrote books in COVID. They changed careers in COVID. They they really just took an assessment. You know, we took an assessment on the show, changed the format of the show in 2020 because we wanted to do something that had a bigger impact in the world. You know, yeah. we were talking about yeah. uh, up until COVID, we were talking about, you know, a lot of Silicon Valley stuff and, you know, which is, you know, tech stuff and, and, you know, which is better, Google and Apple, you know, that sort of thing, iPhone or Android phones. And, you know, everything CEO is about just mostly business and stuff. And we, and after and that was what, we're, what, 10, 12 years in at that point. And, and at COVID, we just realized that, hey, man, like none of this stuff really matters anymore. Like, yeah. at least in this moment. Yeah. Like, why don't we talk about shit that, going on in the world and actually 
you know, makes a difference. Who cares about the iPhone if your family's gone? And 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 still, who cares about the iPhone? Really, I'm an Android person. <laughs> oh, okay, well, we won't start a fight here. We just met, oh, yeah. so oh, that would oh. that wouldn't go so well. We'll side we'll sidestep that one. <laughs> We'll, we'll send that one to the I don't want your green text in my phone anyway. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I see how you roll. Hey, hey, it's about DEI. It's about equality. Eh? No, I'm just kidding. So what's interesting to me about the software revolutions, I've seen women go through this this whole thing with with uh, with the, the girl boss thing, uh, being in masculine business, doing leadership, you know, chasing the the sort of ball. I see that in, in, you know, I've dated for 35 years. And so it used to be that I would see women, it used to be that my first encounter with dating with some divorced women was in my late 20s. And so they had, you know, back in my day, there were people who got married in their, in their 18 to 22. And so they were, blowing out of their marriages their first use about my 28 30 and then like by 32 it was pretty much you know divorce women now what's interesting to me when i see in my dating pools is women who have done this girl boss thing and you know i'm gonna chase the corporate ladder and they finally got married and had kids in their first marriage at 40 45 and now they're like 50 and, or late forties, blowing out of their first marriages, and it's kind of an interesting time to be blowing out of your first marriage at that age because because it's it's a very different it's a very different dating market than it is at the lower end. You know, usually you know at, in your thirties, it's it's really easy to flip to a finding people, but you know, men start we start dying off at fifty, really. <laughs> We do. That took a really wild turn. I wasn't expecting that, but yeah, we we the the amount of men that are on the planet starts really diving. I think about fifty five or sixty, it it doubles or triples. I mean, we we go through we go through a hard sl slide. Women la live forever because genetically and biologically they're designed to propagate the species, and so it I, it it's really interesting to see people getting divorced and having three, four kids, and now they're looking for a new mate at that age. So I've been kind of curious as to, you know, seeing different things on TikTok with the soft girl revolution, which to me kind of seems to be like a return to femininity or an embracement of femininity. Is that accurate? So that's a good question. And I think if you're looking at what, what sort of you were talking about in terms of like the changes in the dating pool and when people mm -hmm. are getting married or choosing to have kids... I think what it all comes back to is that, and again, I, I wouldn't say that this is just women, but certainly this particular topic is people are trying to break out of the box, mm. right? We're not one thing. And, and, and so I think that's where, like, for example, in our work, we keep elevating discussions around, you know, in the beginning of the DEI era, it was like, how do we get more women in? How do we get more black people in? Like very single dimensions and creating greater representation in workplaces. And now I think what you're hearing and for sure what we're hearing is I'm not that one thing. So I'm not, mm. there isn't one way to be a woman. There isn't one way to be a mother. There isn't one way to be a wife. And so folks are saying, we're going to figure out the, the path, the approach that makes sense for us. Mm. And I can speak for growing up and not just growing up as a human and growing up in my career. I, I think a lot about how it was like, you had to pick something, right? Mm. Go pick something, go to college, be something, <laughs> have a job, be that thing. And even when you see, because I, you know, I, I was a lawyer for most of my career. I still am a lawyer. I just don't practice as much anymore. But it's like people box you into that. Oh, she's a lawyer. You're a lawyer. She's a lawyer. You're a lawyer. And it's sure, but I'm other things, right? And yeah. it makes it really hard to change roles because people are like, oh, but you're a lawyer. And you're like, okay, but I can do other things, right? Like, I, that's not the only thing my brain is meant for. So I think what I would call sort of the onslaught of a res revolution is people saying, stop trying to box me in. So the soft girl era is putting, I'm going to do what I want to do to make myself happy. And that may or may not be climbing a court ladder, a corporate ladder probably isn't. Mm -hmm. It may be getting married. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's having kids. Maybe it's freezing my eggs, right? Like mm -hmm. just the idea of there isn't one way to do this, this life thing. There it goes. And, and I guess the soft girl revolution is women are ditching girl boss hustle culture and corporate ladders <laughs> and dealing with burnout. And so most of the videos I watch, they're, they're talking about feminine stuff. 
You know, I, well, mean, and I think it depends on what you define that as. Right. And the reason why I'm saying that maybe feminine with things that are things that are historically defined as feminine. But that's why I was saying I don't think it's to, it's left to one generation, one generation, because we always blame the young people. And I, I huh. think one of the articles says it's Gen Z, but it's really all ages mm-hmm. and, and men, too. Right. So there are men. I, I'm sure that there's times you're like, do I want to keep working this hard? What's important to me? I mean, you mentioned. In, in yeah, but I'm not laying in. I'm not doing the things I'm seeing in the soft girl. Yeah. I'm not well, laying in a bed of roses that are actually laying sitting in, in a bath. And, exactly. I mean, I mean, the things you guys are talking about in the soft Not you guys. I'm not very, talking about meadows. Very fun. But yeah, I'm not doing I'm not doing <laughs> But I think that that's the point, right? Yeah. If you want to lay in dewy grass, great. Go for it. I mean, it's, it may not. It's, it's not. My, if you're I, if you're I, if you're a guy doing that, well, uh, I'll just look for your grinder profile. Let's put it that way. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know many men that are doing that. At least not that are I don't know hipsters. Uh, actually, hipsters are pretty masculine men. But yeah, I I think it's interesting. You know, I, I've been seeing this thing on TikTok too, where women have been kind of re-embracing their feminine, and 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 women that. Some of them done videos where they've talked about how I enjoy being married. I enjoy staying home. I enjoy having kids. I enjoy basically being in my feminine. And the amount of hate and viciousness and shaming and anger and just just sheer. I mean, it's. It, I don't know if you've seen it online, but it's quite ugly. And has the soft life gotten any that sort of blowback to, you know, where where. You know, I don't know. It's 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 a lot of blowback that's gone to, you know, how how dare you let a man dominate you and all this sort of thing. And I don't know if you've seen any of that go on, but it 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 seems to coincide with the soft life in parallels. I don't know how close they are together, but I, I think it's interesting that people are reaching a breaking point with with trying to be in the masculine and and trying to get and trying to really kind of recognize the beauty of femininity and what a great what a great thing it is i mean it's it wasn't for the beauty of femininity this world would be an ugly ass place because we'd just be men it would just all be men (laughs) well i think that when you're looking at it from the perspective of i just look at i'll I'll take myself as an example right Mm -hmm. i've always been incredibly driven like the straight A girl without anyone telling me to get straight A's and finishing college early and all of those mm-hmm. things. And one of the things that always stuck out, stuck out of my head was my, when I was in college and my dad was like, why are you in such a rush, right? You have mm-hmm. your whole life to work. And I'm like, no, but I gotta get to law school and I gotta finish and I finish, da, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And but you don't know what you're racing to. And you get there and you're like, oh my God, he's so right, right? I did have my whole life to work. I mean, when you think about how we're like from, babies to like finishing college or however much schooling you go to we have built-in breaks summer Mm -hmm. off winter off spring break and when you start working life feels really really long because you're like you don't have those three month the three month summer break and all these other things built in and so if i'm speaking from my own personal experience i personally felt like i was rushing through life to get to i'm not exactly sure where because being an adult is really tough right (laughs) having to pay bills and you know you're like oh oh i'm like here like i'm on like i'm on stage now like being this adult thing and so i think that it may correlate with becoming more in touch with your feminine side, but when in the discussions and the types of things we see is people are generally exhausted, right? Yeah. Like that they're exhausted of a lot of what it takes to just live in, in the U S mm. gas is expensive. Groceries are expensive. So people are constantly trying, it's like a pressure cooker. They're trying to relieve some of that pressure to live a life that feels, you know, okay, at least I'm, as you mentioned, like I'm making an impact on a community or an organization or others. I have time to enjoy with my friends and I don't feel rushed. I can sit and have a conversation with my son. Like for me, for example, I'm really trying to be thoughtful of when I'm taking him to school. Like I'm not on the phone, like I'm talking to him on the way to school. I'm being present in, in, with, in the moments that matter for me. Mm-hmm. There you go. So tell us about what motivates you want to be a lawyer and get into this field of helping each HR and diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's a really good question. I was going through like the, my mom was a teacher, so she laminated a lot of stuff in the 80s. You know, the teachers in the 80s, like really, they had a lot of lamination. Mm-hmm. There's a laminated school newspaper for when I was in the first grade that I said I wanted to be a lawyer. And so initially when I thought about what being a lawyer was, it was like, constitutional law, civil rights. We're going to say, we're going to help people 
you know, have their rights. And as I grew, and especially as I went to law school, I realized it wasn't as straightforward as we thought it was, right? It's not what you see on TV. But from day one, in large part, because I come from parents that are different races, they're, they're different religions. I had a very interesting upbringing. I've always been interested in people's identities and where they're from and their culture and their government. And so it's carried its way through from undergrad to law school and to then, you know, choosing labor and employment as my practice area. So I've had to dissect complex people problems for a really long time. And I'm always motivated by trying to help folks create authentic human connection. Mm. There you go. It's it's quite a journey that people go through, and and this I, this kind of took me by surprise. One of the one of the challenges I see in our dating field is these these the, the women that have you know waited have done their corporate lives and they've waited all this time to create a family and 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 all that stuff. the 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 challenge is they're really stuck in their masculine still. They they like everything they'll post or spouse on when you're dating is is masculine traits and you know i have a house i have a career i have a car i have a you know i have this you know i built this corporate thing and men just don't care we're just like i don't i don't really care biologically we're not we're not driven to seek another masculine figure we're we're not looking to date another leader we're looking to date someone who's feminine who can nurture and and do that and it's it's really interesting to me how stuck they are in it, because it's it's not attractive. And and here they are, and they're blowing out of their first marriages at fifty sometimes. And you know, it, it's it. I'm I'm fifty five years old. Uh, I'm I'm ready to retire and enjoy the rest of my life. I'm not looking to go in and and pick up a whole new family. And most guys my age aren't. You know, they've been through one or two divorces. They're not looking to start over. So. I, I think it's I think it's great that women are looking at, you know, whether they're operating in their masculine or their feminine and appreciating their feminine more, at going in and doing the things that women do that that are the greatest part of them is is being in their feminine, enjoying it, you know, being soft is okay, I guess is what you call in the soft revolution. To me, all I saw in the soft revolution was was a celebration of being feminine, and all the traits that and and behaviors that make it work. And people seem to be really happy. I so mean, I, I, I think I would challenge what you're saying because I think it creates mm-hmm. this this idea that you're one or the other, right? Because there's actually pieces of time where even the sort of what we would say the manliest of men have softness to sure. them. And mm-hmm. I think that if what you're describing as masculine is sort of the the sort of more outward view of success, which is coming as CEO or how much, you know, material mm-hmm. items you amass. I mean, I guess I think that what what we what I see is that there was a very singular or boxed in way of being successful in corporate America pre-pandemic, right? So maybe because men dominated those fields, we associate some of these things with men. But the reality is, is that Again, bringing it back, there's multiple ways to be successful. And when I look at, for example, you know, older, more seasoned CEOs that are confused by, but don't they want to get promoted? And I'm like, no, they don't care. <laughs> you know, you're like, it's yeah. because, because it's there's more. Again, when we think about success, a lot of times we look at what we did to become successful and say, if you didn't do that, then like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? And yeah. I think that's where you're seeing, like, when you mentioned earlier about folks who are trashing ladies who have decided they want to stay at home or do something that people think is more traditionally a woman's role or what at least it was in the past. It's Mm -hmm. sort of this idea of when you're feeling a resistance inside it's because it's like something you're feeling you're not accomplishing that you want to usually, Mm -hmm. or you're, you're challenged. Do I want to keep showing up and sludging myself to work? And like Mm -hmm. I said, I talk to men, women, and non-binary people every day and every person I talk to starts off a conversation with how tired they are and how they work too much. Wow, you know, it's like a very consistent conversation. And so I think, <laughs> again, I wouldn't put that in a, in a binary box of you're being more feminine or masculine. I think a lot of it is we're like, like I said, what is important to us? I don't want to mm-hmm. be exhausted every day. I'm, most people mm-hmm. probably don't. Like you want to feel mm-hmm. like you have that pep. So mm-hmm. again, I think some of us felt, okay, we had to really be laser focused on our careers so that we could, you know, amass the most amount of money possible so that we could do everything we wanted to do. And then we realize, 
wow, is that really what I want to do? Because I'm, I'm awfully tired doing this and I'm not getting the fulfillment <laughs> that, you know, I was hoping for. I think fulfillment's the key word there. And, and just to just just to make a point, I, I don't believe it's a monolith. I mean, yeah. women and men can move in out of their feminine and their masculine. They can depend upon whatever they're doing, you know. And, but women are largely based in, their, in, in femininity, their emotions and stuff. Most men that are going to be living in the basis of their emotions are, are going to have a very different experience than when they're in their masculine. But leadership, pursuit, you know, hunting, all this sort of thing. It all comes back to cavemen. It's all biology. This isn't some sort of traditional thing. This isn't some sort of generational thing. This isn't some sort of thing. This is biology at its core. And I think what people have been doing is fighting bi biology. And that doesn't mean that everyone should go home and raise kids or everyone should not do whatever. It, it's fine. But we need to identify that we're fighting our biology and and that which makes us fulfilled and that which makes us happy. And I think that's what people are identifying now that, hey, there's a certain nature to human nature that's been with us for eons of time. And the shortness of a generation or whatever and whatever sort of delusions it wants to feed itself is not going to change. And biology will always go back to biology and a result to it. And I think that's what people are seeing. I well, know. I think if you look at the soft girl revolution or quiet quitting, or, these are all sort of like variations of a theme that has probably always existed. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I was saying to someone recently that I finally understand what it means to go with the flow, right? Mm -hmm. We say that, you know, we use a lot of these cliches and make it seem like, oh, I'm just going to go with the flow. But it's the reality is sometimes you're just fighting upstream. So, like, we talk about, and again, I, all of it, it can come from a lot of different areas, right? I think, for me, part of it has come as the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, your circle gets smaller in terms of who you think are your close friends, even some of your family members. And so it's either you come or you don't come. I'm not going to fight you to come with me. I'm not going to, you know, have arguments over every single thing. And people are like, oh, but you're a lawyer. I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I mean, but I don't, I don't litigate anymore for a reason, right? Like, the, you know, the, our, our court systems are... They don't actually solve real problems. Like you're just, you're, you're like caught up in paper exchanging, especially as a civil litigator. And so you're like, this is not fun, right? What are we doing here? And like most of the time, which is why I love what I do now, you can solve conflict much differently, right? And so like when you're in that adversarial proceeding, it's just, it stays that way the whole time. And it's mm -hmm. hard and it's against the flow a lot of times. And so I think when you look at, again, these trends that, we're using the words differently now. History mm. continues to repeat itself. Another funny mm. one is that people love to say, well, no one wants to work anymore. I mean, the reality is I don't know anybody who really wanted to work ever. But the funny <laughs> thing is that our project manager found a video that from the late 1800s that they were always headlines about people not wanting to work anymore. Right. So there was like they were yeah, flashing headlines <laughs> over decades and they love to also blame it again on young people. And we recruit and I tell people all the time. I have folks that for, are, are interviewing for six figure jobs that just ghost us, that don't even <laughs> show up, that don't even say they're not going to show up. And so it's just there's this general thing that happened <clears throat> in the U.S. where after the pandemic, folks were like, I'm not doing it like that anymore. And, mm. and so I think the more we can find that inward, like where does our peace come from? Where's your flow? What do you, what's the flow you're going with? I think the better off because the other piece of all of this is that we've also lost our way with how to talk to each other. So mm. if you noticed, or maybe you see this a lot, but I do because I still investigate HR complaints, people are very hair triggered upset these days. And I'm surprised sometimes by the complaints I see because I'm like, wow, I haven't seen complaints like that. I knew there was a big shift when in the last two or three years, I've had more internal complaints that I've investigated by lawyers and HR people than I did in my entire like 17 years before that. Because we're really not to complain, even huh. though like it's kind of seems counterintuitive. And as people are fed up, they're just like, I don't want to deal with these things anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, bosses that are are throwing things on their plate the last minute, who are yelling at them, who are overlooking them when they've performed the way they're supposed to, right? People mm -hmm. are ready to snap. And if we're not thoughtful of each other and mindful of that, you know, it's, it's hard for us to make progress in this thing we call life. 
You put a finger on a pulse to something. I think it's interesting that for the first 17 years you weren't seeing it, and now you're really seeing it. Maybe, you know, I mean, everyone's kind of brought to the brink mentally. You know, I, I think I think we joked, and I think some people covered it, that we all, after COVID, we all kind of need, like, a psychiatrist for about yes. 10 years. <laughs> like, we just all need to go in as a country and just be like, yeah, our mom didn't hug us enough as a child or some shit. But yeah, I think we all got a little <laughs> broken. But you know, so in what you're seeing and you described there, are we reaching a breaking point? You think we're still on a train that's, you know, people are sick of a lot of things in life, you know, high prices for different things. You know, I mean, it, I, I hear a lot of people say, you know, when are we going to return to back to normal? And I'm like, I think this is the new normal. I don't think there's any pre-COVID normal coming back. Do you, do you see it coming to a breaking point in business? It, we, I think we're reaching it where mm. it can boil over. And I'll tell you why. I think mm. that leaders who've led for a long time are still stuck on how to deal with this new workplace that we have. I mean, when you look at some of the changes that have happened in the workplace, some are permanent and some are permanent in people's minds. So mm. even when you have, for example, executives who are like, no, we got to get people back in the office permanent in people's minds is that some of the best years that some of these companies had were with people working from home, which yeah. is what a lot of us have been saying long before the pandemic is give people some flexibility, you know, in terms of where they work. Certainly, I, I think about my early career, if I didn't have any touch points with partners as a, as a young lawyer, I don't know if I would have evolved. But it's not it's, the point is that it's not a one size fits all and where people work. So you have a lot of eye rolling when CEOs are like, well, we need to collaborate, we need to this. And I also think it's important. I am constantly encouraging CEOs, be real. If part of it is you have all this real estate that just is sitting empty and you don't want your money to be spent that way because you can't get out, just tell people, like, we want to utilize our investment because that's also a huge thing. That was the number one term we heard from employees was transparency. They don't want to be bullshitted, right? Like, they don't want you to come up with these things that sound good when they've seen how it actually works. You mean they don't want pizza parties? <laughs> Who want pizza parties? I know. I love great. pizza, but they, they yeah. you know, it's just because it's like, it's like this, it's a placation that people are like, no, let's just be real with it. Um, mm -hmm. And again, I push leaders like that all the time. Just tell them what you mean. That's what they want to know. They don't want that fluffed up, you know, some expert communicator fixed all the words for you and they're typed perfectly and the message is so pretty like they want the real and sometimes they can handle that and sometimes they can't but they can't handle feeling like they're being lied to which is what you've seen in a lot of these workforces which is why you get the quiet quitting and all of this is that or the running jokes like, oh let me guess i'm going to get pizza let me guess you're going to come and you know give me employee of the month and put me in the placard up there and give me more work as a as a mm -hmm. recognition so that's kind of the things that we're seeing is that people just are like want to kind of blow up some of these systems because they they've seen a different side of them. Let me let me ask you this because I'm really curious about this. You made me think about something. So uh, you know I've worked at home since 2004 when I got rid of my partners and 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 just took over our businesses. And so I've I I've loved living at home life. In fact, when COVID came, I'm like. Why, why are you guys in my space? This is, <laughs> I was doing this in 2004. And, you know, I could work anywhere in the world as long as there's Wi-Fi. And even then, I don't need Wi-Fi 24-7, which is, why am I here? Anyway, I'm just kidding. In the state that I'm in. But so one of the one of the issues with, and we've talked about this with lots of authors and scientists and psychologists that, that have been on the show, one of the, one of the detriments what am I trying to fucking say here? What I'm trying to say is I think it's really cool that people stay home and they can enjoy their family life. You know, spending, you know, I've lived in L.A., spending two to four hours a day in a car to go to work for eight hours a day. And, you know, that that equates to about 10 or 12 hours that you're basically engaged in, in working technically. And now they're spending more time with their family and, and they can be more present maybe and they can have more intimacy with their family because they're there as opposed to in the car or at work. I, I think there's a healthy factor to that. So I, I'm not I'm not dishing that. But but also there's there's a real detriment to isolating us and not having us be around other people. I'm going to fall back to biology here and, and people that we've had on the show that are psychologists and metaphysics. And one of the things we need is being able to see other people in 3D. Mm -hmm. And so 
we we live and we developed as a species over millions of years and being able to see people in three-dimensional to see your facial reactions when i talk to you and your eyes and your body language which is 3d so like in zoom right now we're not seeing what's going on with the rest of our body and how that's communicating and flowing and this actually stimulates and enhances our brain and and keeps us you know from going into different states like alzheimer and dementia and stuff by keeping our brain stimulated because you know we're of course doing the fight fight thing you know is this person a danger who am i talking to but the interaction and there's even there's even a thing of how our dopamine reacts and, and chemically with pheromones or or you know our, our our just hormonally when we touch when we shake hands mm -hmm. That that's that's that actually sends signals to our brain that that set off different things, and we don't do that anymore. And in fact, one of the problems we have too is genetic or biologically over all these millions of years, we're used to seeing 3D. One of the problems with phones, it's very 2D, and our brains have not adapted to this, and and so and they're, it, and they're not meant for the amount of inputs that yeah. come from those phones, right? Like oh yeah. Our brains are not built to consume as much information that's being thrown at us mm -hmm. on a daily yeah. basis. We're, we're still cavemen when it comes down to it. Like people just lie to themselves nowadays. Everything really comes down to our caveman stuff. We're still cavemen in a rudimentary design, how we were built. And so do you think that, do you think that this breaking point that you're seeing in the last year or two is, you know, people being so isolated now, they don't interact with each other. And when they interact with each other, they're really having problems socially. Is that, so, is that possible? Uh, so, one, back to sort of what I was talking about earlier, I don't think the fix is one or the other, because mm -hmm. I do think that in-person communication is so critical. Yeah. I mean, we had, we do executive coaching, and there was a time where we were coaching someone, and I was saying to my colleague, I just can't get a feel on Zoom, right? There's just, we're not connecting mm -hmm. to this point. And so I was like, well, we live, I live in Miami. So I'm like, maybe we can go meet at an outdoor cafe so that there's, there's some mm -hmm. enough that was still kind of in the mix of COVID, but I'm like, I don't think we're going to have any level of success <laughs> if we keep trying to do this on zoom. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because what it really highlighted for me is the nuance that comes mm -hmm. from being in 3d. So we both, it just so happened that he and I, there was three of us and, and the client, he drank tea and I drank tea mm -hmm. and the, the wait staff brought us the tiniest amount of hot water. So it was like, became this inside joke that you get a little bit of this hot water and I'll get a little <laughs> bit of, of this hot water, but that wouldn't have happened on zoom. Right. Yeah. It's like that thing where you create those, those small points of connection. Uh -huh. and so I do always say as much as I can challenge a CEO to say, don't, don't bullshit people and say, it's just about collaboration and say also that that's why I think hybrid is great as well. But like, yeah. So it's really helpful to see people in person. My personal opinion, though, to, to the other part of your question is that we had so many distractions prior to COVID, meaning we did not realize how distracted we were by, by sports games, by concerts, by traveling, which we're largely back to. But I think our brains have not forgotten the space hmm. that we had with none of it. Hmm. And I think you don't realize all the stuff you didn't you weren't dealing with with yourself right yeah. so then it's you're like wow gosh i really if you think about some of the relationships that ended like maybe we were having problems for years and i just didn't mm -hmm. have time to think about it because i'm always at work or i'm driving two hours you know to and from and we're just functioning in life and so i think that same thing is what's happening with people's relationship with work gosh i didn't really think about how tough this is on me to five days a week commute like 20 hours of my week. Like I don't want to do that anymore. Right. So mm -hmm. that I think it's just like there was that period of undistraction, so to speak. I don't even think that's a word, but let's just pretend yeah. it is. And then now you're like, oh yeah, I'm not going back to that. I'm not going to go yeah. back to that piece now that I have that awareness. Yeah. And I, I believe you're right. It should be a monolith. I mean, the world isn't black and white. It's color and and it, it and it's gradient. And so there, I think maybe the right thing is, is it seems like maybe there's a search for more balance and maybe the reason you're seeing in theory, this, this, you know, this growing thing of it, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing that same sort of agitation that you're seeing in the, in the workforce, you know, go into our politics, oh, yeah. go into yeah. so much divisiveness at the school level 
which is kind of a play into politics if you understand what the mm -hmm. things are there. Mm -hmm. um, but we're just seeing people agitate every level. You know, I mean, you can you can go on TikTok and find a Karen every other day. You find you know, people, people upset about like when you're just like um, it's it's some of the times where I'm like. Wow. So I look at it in one way. Like I, I, my son, when he was younger, he'd always ask me my favorite something. And I'm like, am I supposed to have a favorite like sock? I, I mean, like it would be the most obscure things. And then you see now that, so that's the cute, oh my gosh, side of it. But now people are so angry about so many different things. And I think that that's where this, I liked your, I like your 2D versus 3D thing is that where we do need to get out there and touch some grass and talk to people sometimes because it gets too easy to be behind that screen mm -hmm. and be like, as I always say, a keyboard gangster. And you know, we're gonna like type, type, type fast and push it off. And we're not thinking about each other as humans. If you think mm -hmm. about how this country and many countries started, we were a lot more communal where we needed, yeah. you do need each other to survive, right? Yeah. You, you can't really, we can't really live a strong quality of life or do everything ourselves. Like it's just, it's mm -hmm. not really, it's not really, like you said, it's more sort of a biological thing. You're not born alone. You can't even when you're born do anything for you. You know what I mean? It's this idea of like, where did we lose that piece of, mm -hmm. yes, our individualism is important, but to move things forward, we need, you know, we need, we need a group. We need folks that we connect with. And, you know, I'm hoping we get back to that because the biggest, biggest mm -hmm. challenge we see in the workplace is people not know how to talk to each other. And it's so it seems so basic. And I say it all the time. I'm like, we got to get back to talking to each other well. But but it's it's just bizarre where I'm constantly pushing CEOs to make decisions, which sounds weird, give people feedback. And they're like, oh, but I don't want to argue. I'm like, this is not an argument. You pay people to do a job. And if they're not doing the job, then they should know that they're not doing the job, right? It's this piece where there's just this People will be direct when you don't see them, right? They'll be direct yeah. in an anonymous setting, but they're not as direct. We're not direct with each other the way we used to be. And it means that there's there's all this uh, skirting around the real issues. And that creates these mini fights about things that don't seem like they're like, why are you upset about that? But I think if you look at, if you were to track down some of these commenters and all these mean folks in the comments <laughs> of posts, you would see that there's something else that was bigger that never got addressed. And now yeah. it just kind of shows up in these, these other ways. So you've given me another epiphany that's made me you this is what I love about the show. So we, as I, I learned more than my audience does, I, I need to start making like, this is an epiphany ding for our audience, but I, I think they get it. They've been doing this for a while, but you give me another epiphany. One of the problems, you know, we've, we've run the Chris Foss show and it's a podcast, but for years it's been a tech review company. So we've reviewed technology and like I said, in the early days, Apple iPhone and you know, all the different tech stuff and speakers. And, you know, we, we have a whole side of the company that does that. And one of the things we've always been in is gaming. So I've, I used to never be really into gaming much, but I, I got into it because we had to review the Xboxes and the PlayStations and, you know, the games and there's a whole arm and podcast for that crap. And I, I do gaming now. G gaming is, is largely a tribal thing where where men are doing the caveman stuff. Once again, biology, they're, they're getting together and they're going and finding stuff to kill. I mean, that's basically what it is. And it's the camaraderie and masculinity that comes from that. And so they like that. But one of the problems I saw in gaming, and I still see this day, it's it's it, it, it's it's really upsetting, is is the same sort of concept that you see with people in cars. Like when people get in cars and go into traffic, they become like maniacal assholes, and and there's the psychology that basically you you kind of enter your own private Idaho when you get in your car. And you're an asshole because, you know, you have four walls around you and you, you feel like you're not really connected to other people and you, you can just go be a jerk if you really want to mm -hmm. and, and all that stuff. And the same thing is applicable to gaming, you know, the extraordinary racism, the hate, uh, you know, like Discord, like the, the side yeah, chat, the or like mm -hmm. just the, the pieces yeah. of. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. You, and you wonder, I mean, I do wonder regularly of like what what's going through your head when you say these really hateful things? What's going mm -hmm. through your head when you're 
side swiping someone. And I mean, at least for us in Florida, I won't even have, I won't even argue with anyone now after you know that there can be permitless carry, like just go ahead in front of me, right? Like <laughs> even if it, even if it was rude, even if it's the thing, like, because you're just like, people are like, like you said, like you're saying, they think their four walls sort of protect them from, you know, being a decent human being. And, you know, yeah. That I, the ideas of just asking people how they're doing in the morning and, you know, the basics. Of, yeah. Of, of and, and the, the, you know, I, I ran a lot of groups. We ran discords of like thousands of people mm-hmm. for different gaming communities. And of course we would use it to promote the show and the products we reviewed, but the amount of hate and racism that we had to deal with. I mean, there were times we had to have PlayStation or Sony come in and clean up a chat because for some reason they don't make it so that you can moderate it. The, the people we would have to ban that would just sheer, sheer racism, you know, the mm-hmm. N word, just ugliness galore. And, and, I, and, I, and I've thought for so many years, like, you would never say that to another person if they were sitting next to you or standing next to you. You would not say what, you, what you're saying. And I wonder if that mentality, that car traffic mentality, that gaming mentality that seems to be of the same psychology is not have transposed it has transposed over to the zoom thing where since we're looking at each other behind these screens you know we're thinking you know the same sort of car mentality like there's gene and you know jeans and bob and bob's doing you know maybe well, there's, people, maybe there's some... are even off camera so to your point <laughs> like you're even like you know there's there's because we you know, I think it is exhausting to look at yourself all day. It's different. That's the thing that Zoom added that's different from, you're like, oh, it's you again. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of thing. Although I did learn a lot about myself because I was like, I make a lot of interesting facial expressions. But but no, to, to your, I think to your point, this is why we have to look at the things in, in a flexible way of we got to be in person with each other at times. Mm-hmm. Um some people work better at home for many different reasons. Some people are very distracted at home. Like we're like you were saying, I, like that word, the mono, like we're not a monolith. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, and and maybe it's maybe it's my age in the workforce. I feel like we used to put a lot more effort into the learning opportunities that allowed us to connect. Mm-hmm. And it felt like a lot of that, like leadership development training and all the things just kind of went out the window and we're throwing folks, which is true. We're throwing folks who've never managed people into these management situations and expecting them to do really well. And we're not giving folks the tools to even connect in the ways that you and I are talking about that are more, again, decent than some of the stuff that happens behind these screens or in our cars. There you go. I think I think my theory is one of the reasons you might be seeing in uh, this this new agitation last year or two is people are reaching that breaking point, and there's a lot of that going on behind the screens because they're like you said, they're not having that interactivity. I mean, there's there's real activity and brain building that it does when we meet in person, when we touch, when we hug. There's all sorts of dopamine and serotonin and stuff that goes off. And when the 2D screens happen, we don't have that. There's a, you can get like a dopamine, but some people are getting, you know, attacked to that. But I I think that may be one of the things that's going on. You know, I've talked to some friends, well, I've seen friends that have gone through the Zoom thing and the Zoom exhaustion. And they'll, they'll post on Facebook. They're like, I did 12 freaking Zoom meetings today. And that was my whole work day. I just want to kill myself. And fortunately, I don't have to do that. But, you know, I just, I just saw that. Can I just say one thing though? I actually just read something recently, which I think goes to what you're talking about is that our hugs are not long enough. So apparently you have to hug for about 20 seconds to get. That's true. And and, and it's funny because I'm like, wow, 20 seconds is actually a long hug. If you, if you're not getting, if if someone's not giving you consent to that long hug, it could be pretty creepy to have a 20 second hug. But I Mm -hmm. think that when you, again, So if you bring this all the way back, right, we all start with Mm ourselves, and I think we don't do enough of that introspection to think about our part in situations, how we're showing up in situations, what we're not getting, what we are getting. And we are always encouraging folks to look inward. I just was telling an executive the other day, forget about the job for a second, stop and think about you as a person. And what is it that you need in your own life so that that will help you show up here differently? And I think that it's, again, we've become in a place that because we're behind these screens, we can always blame somebody else for something. And, and, And again, that personal accountability is just not 
not relished as much as it used to be, and we're trying to bring it back. There you go. I, it, it, one of the things that was pointed out to me by one of the authors that talked about this, and you, you alluded to it, is, is there's an experiment they did with babies and mothers. And so they took a baby, just, you know, fairly new baby, and really can't talk. And so the only communication it has with its mother is watching its face. Or, or her face, and 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 mother looking at its face, the baby, and so they they did this thing where they filmed the mothers, you know, interacting with with babies as mothers do, you know, ooh, cute, you know, and all that stuff, and and the baby's joyous and the baby's happy and stuff, and then they did a thing where they took the mother and they had to ignore the baby but still be in front of it, and so not looking at it, not showing any facial expression or emotion. So just kind of dead facing the baby just starts freaking out and you can see the brain just go crazy. It starts crying. It starts thrashing about and, and really freaking out because it's not getting that 3d input mm -hmm. from the mother that's, that's giving it the communication. And I don't think we realize again, going back to our biology and caveman times, how much, that sort of stuff is the minutia, is the juice for our interpersonal relationships. And maybe that's why we're just a bunch of more miserable assholes these days. <laughs> With know. one or two friends. I'd be interested to hear back from you in a few years if you study, you know, if this continues this trend of the last year, year and a half, if maybe some of that isn't, isn't there. And, and maybe someone should do a study that if hybrid workforce stuff seems to be better because clearly you know there's an opposing side to this we've we've gone from working in the office where we at least put up with each other now we're working at home and now we can't deal with each other at all maybe hybrid does a balance so anyway as we go out your your final thoughts and pitch to people that would be interested in doing business with your company how they can onboard and reach out to you guys yeah so at the end of the day a lot of what we've talked about today if you're looking at it from the bigger picture is you need to know what's going on in your workforce. So we really specialize in the data-driven workplace assessments um, so that you're developing strategies that are thoughtful to what's actually happening. Um, I, again, I could say this as a parent, and I'm sure a lot of leaders and other parents can say, you think you know, but then there's a lot of stuff out there that you don't. And so let us help you figure out what your employees need. Um, let, and let us help you work through things that make sense for your company and not just what you're hearing other companies do because it may not work for you. There you go. And check out the podcast as well. Yes, we'd love for you to listen because you know what we do is we take the mystery out of how to be inclusive. We run into a lot of leaders who say they want to do it, but they don't know how to do it. We mm -hmm. keep our episodes show, short and practical and we're funny and fun. Not just me saying that, but, uh, but definitely. And I appreciate the plug and, and the invite. It was, it was great to have a nice, challenging conversation with you. Yeah, you give me some really interesting ideas on the theories of why we're, we're having those struggles. And I think I was interesting what you said that in the last year, year and a half where there's kind of a thing and, and I'm, I'm always curious if there's going to be a breaking point or I don't know, maybe we just have to all find each other's stuff. You know, yeah. there you go. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Now I really you. appreciate it. Thanks to our audience for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com for chess, Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com for chess, Chris Foss, subscribe to the big LinkedIn newsletter, the 130,000 LinkedIn group over there. YouTube.com for chess, Chris Foss, Chris Foss, one of the TikTok the and Facebook, Chris Foss.com. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.